Hi, Ruth. Hey, Josephine. How are you going? I'm really well. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, welcome, everyone, to My Favourite Musical. Welcome to My Favourite Musical, the podcast for musicals. And where Josephine and I tell each other about some of our favourite musicals. Yes, because it turns out we have more than one favourite musical. Yeah, we have a lot of favourite musicals. It wasn't until you said to me, can you just write a brief list of your favourite musicals that I realised, um, firstly, how indecisive I am. And secondly, how many musicals I do really enjoy. Yeah, like we wrote a, a short list of 10 um, to sort of cover and that was really hard. Yeah, it was really hard. Although I think if you'd have said, give me a list of your most hated musicals, I would have also come up with quite a list. Yeah, Josephine really wants us to talk about some of our most <sighs> hated musicals and I'm like, that's the title of the podcast isn't <laughs> my hated, like my least favourite musicals. I just, I, What I think I really want is a platform to be able to rant about musicals that I hate yeah I think <laughs> maybe this is that, that is what platform. you know I am <laughs> I am full of joy for pretty much every show and you are the opposite of that for yeah, many shows I am, I am. yeah look if I'm talking about this, a, a musical on this podcast that's high praise I think yeah I agree yeah I agree there's a lot you hate a lot there's very little that I hate is that true yeah really true oh there's there's almost nothing if I go to a show I can almost always take something away from it that I, I say, like, I really loved this element of it. I think that's more about, like, your general life outlook and your way of being. That says a lot about you, I think. But also I just, like, I can I can see something that I might think is objectively say, like, the music isn't that good, but I can still go, but did you hear that person's voice or I loved the set or, you know, the classic yes. one is when you say, you looked like you were having a great time up there. <laughs> I've actually heard that said to me before. Oh, God. Which is a really upsetting thing to hear. Yeah, that is like upsetting. Like as feedback because obviously the show was like utter shit if that's what Oh, I know saying. what show you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we've all done those musicals, all right? Yeah. Stop um, it. Josephine and I are in the same room. Yes, it's very exciting. So um, as a little bit of a world update, obviously we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, COVID-19, uh, I'm sure you know if you're listening to this, you've heard that. But recently the area that we live in, New South Wales, has um, slightly lessened restrictions and adults can visit other adults in their homes and still observe social distancing. Yeah, and uh, we still yeah, we still have to be socially distanced. So we're in the music studio. We're quite far apart we, in the music like it's, studio. It's probably about, what is it, two and a half metres, I think? That we're <laughs> yeah, one and a half or something, yeah. But, uh, no, like well, we're currently us, Yeah, we're quite far, far away. away from each other. <laughs> we're more than socially distanced right now. I like to keep it safe. Yeah, Josephine is sitting at a grand piano. <laughs> Which is, which is actually quite an appropriate, like, seat to sit at to it record is. a musical theatre podcast. It feels majestic. Yeah. I might break it out, like, just go for it. Yeah, I think you should. Like, if we mention a song, number. you just have to start playing it. I don't Done. care if you've never played it on piano before. <laughs> just guess. That's not important to me. <laughs> <laughs> how wrong could I be? Like, how committed are you to the podcast that you'll just, you know. That's fair. And yeah. also, like, how hard is piano really? Not That's that right. hard. Exactly. You'll be fine. Yeah, I'll be fine. Yeah. We actually both play piano. In fact, Ruth is a beautiful pianist so she says this i haven't played piano in about 20 years just remember when you used to do all those estedfords that's literally how my husband and i met oh so cute yeah because you guys used to compete yeah before you? we did we did community theater together which is how Joe i know josephine and josephine knows my husband and i know my husband but before then we used to compete against each other in piano estedfords and did he or did he not always beat you or every time but one <laughs> i beat him <laughs> once exactly once i love that you're holding on to that of course. That's important. No, that's a, that's a sign of a healthy marriage. But literally, I started dating him 
14 years ago. Yeah, wow. And uh, Which and you, actually that's a feat because you're only in your early 30s. Yeah, like, we were 18. For the listeners. We were 18. Uh, we were doing a show. In fact, Josephine was in the show. I was in that show, So yeah. Josephine's just a couple of years younger than me, but she, she was still young enough to be in this sort of youth theatre production. <laughs> and uh, he was the musical director and I was the assistant director. Yeah. And we'd known each other for some years. But, yes, it wasn't until we were on the same production team doing it. Uh, such a, a showmance that's lasted 14 years. Look, we are both uh, married to a showmance. It's true. Actually, it's true. That's Ruth very true. Oh, yeah. We are committed. We're musical theatre nerds to the end. <laughs> um, so, Ruth, I actually have some news for you this week. Ooh, fun. A uh, couple of things. We talked last week about Take Me to the World, the Stephen Sondheim mm. 90th birthday concert. Which, I have an update, it's actually raised over $400,000 US for artists striving to end poverty. Amazing. Which is amazing because, and this is a really, I, I didn't pay any money to see it. Should I have... I, like, you know, I don't know how you feel about this, but it's it's an it's an American charity, yes. and we're in Australia. And I have donated to American charities in the past, but I almost what I almost did was sort of look up an equivalent Australian charity yes. to see if one existed, so that we were sort of doing something that was a bit more local. Yes. Um, well, that, I mean, it's not like we were donating to UNICEF or Amnesty or something, yeah. was it? This is a really specific charity. Yeah, and and look, I still, I, I still, I have in the past donated to things like Broadway Cares, Equity Fights Aids, and some of these other yeah. musical theatre charities over there. But it does sort of feel like, oh, but shouldn't I be finding something that's yeah. more local than charity yeah. begins so at home? I haven't saying. donated to ASAP. I do want to. Well, I just found it amazing considering that they didn't actually charge tickets. No, like, they didn't. You didn't have to buy a ticket to watch it. It was available on Broadway.com's YouTube channel. I think it still is available. Uh, and yeah, yet they managed to raise this much money. It's yeah, quite amazing. That's that's wonderful. In the midst of a really stressful time economically for a lot of people. Exactly. It's really cool. I um, I, it, it, it is interesting the model that people have been using at this time to – you know, for streaming things and that. Like you mm. mentioned that production of Orphans with Alec Baldwin a couple yes. of weeks ago and it was just sort of pay what you can, like yeah. pay whatever you want. And I guess most people probably f- threw in a few dollars. I'm sure some people threw in a lot more than that. But um, there's a production in sh- that was on in a like professional regional theatre in Chicago of Fun Home oh, that cool. they filmed and they're releasing. But it's about 20 American dollars I think that they're charging and that's the most I've seen people charge for something like that. Is that for like um, you know all of you would know about National Theatre Live is it sort of a similar like quality production is that what you're talking about? Yeah like it was well I don't know that it was filmed for release though I mean whereas those National Theatre Live I mean they have a camera like in the audience I've actually been to a production while Where they were filmed. filming it for cinema. That's cool because I've actually paid to go to the cinema. Yeah, to see same. Those. We saw, didn't we see Follies, yeah, we saw together? Follies together? Yeah, at our local cinema. But like, I would happily pay quite a lot of money mm. to see because they're so beautifully filmed. That's right. Yeah, I saw uh, Hamlet with Benedict Cumberbatch. Yes. Um, at the Barbican, and that was that. I saw it the night that they filmed it. And Is it like an intrusive camera situation? I was sort of sitting up in the mezzanine and therefore there were no cameras near me but Mm. there were cameras in the stalls slash orchestra um like right in the middle kind of thing I I mean they they think they made sure people weren't sort of sitting directly behind where the camera they you know they strike out seats and things for those performances I thought it was sort of exciting to see that performance in a way that is exciting well yeah because I mean if I was the actor on stage I'd be pretty aware that I was being filmed yeah probably got like a super dynamic production I mean 
Benedict Cumberbatch, I feel like we just give perfection every time. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're a fan, are you? I'm a Cumberbitch. Oh, I am not a Cumberbitch. Aren't you? No. You don't like him? I don't like his stupid face. Oh, my God. <laughs> this could be the thing that ends our friendship. <laughs> Do you like Sherlock? I, I've i never... You never watched it? No. Should oh, I? Yes, definitely. What if I'm not a Cumberbitch? That doesn't matter. He's just great. It's Look, a great show. I, Martin I, I Freeman's really, great. Like, I don't really know much of what he's done, to be honest. Oh, okay. Like, apart from appearances on Graham Norton, I don't really know, you know. Have and you I'm seen not the clip fan. where he says, Penguins? <laughs> so Penguins. Good. You've seen that. Penguins. That didn't turn you into a Cumberbitch. That was charming, to it be was honest. Very but also, how hard is it to say Penguins? Well, like, how dumb apparently are you? quite hard. <laughs> Sorry, Benedict Cumberbatch, if you're listening, I really do apologise. Yeah. Um, My other piece of news, which I think you'll find interesting, is that um, obviously Matilda, the musical, is being turned into a movie. Yeah. From our wonderful Tim Minchin, um, who I just adore. I saw a cast announcement that Ray Fiennes has been signed on to play Miss Trunchbull. I did see that too. What do you think about that? I think he'll be good. Yeah. Can he sing? Well, all I could think was that he, I think he did his own singing in Prince of Egypt. Oh, but I can't remember I never how even much thought about that. Well, I can't remember how much singing Ramses because he was Ramses in the film um, Prince of Egypt, and I know he was Ramses. Like you know, Ramses has some singing. I'm sure he did his own singing, right? But I can't remember. Oh, God, I no, haven't I seen remember. Prince of Egypt since I was a child. I remember them showing us that, like, because I went to a Catholic high school. I remember that being like, this is an approved film that you may watch. Do you know that Prince of Egypt is one of only two non-Disney animated musicals from that time? Do you yes, know what the other one is? Anastasia. Yeah, and, it's just and, those two. Yeah. They're Who the only did two. put it out? Uh, well, I guess, is it DreamWorks? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm not good with movie studio stuff, but. Yeah, it's, it's that that and Anastasia and that's it. The rest of Disney. has Have they since been like incorporated into the Disney Well, technically universe? Disney owns them, yeah. Yeah, jeez. Oh, no, yeah, oh, they must be Fox then. It must be Fox. I know that Disney owns them now. Which exciting news, Fox is struggling. Did you see that? <laughs> Fox tells <laughs> going terrible. down there. You, mean, you specifically want Rupert Murdoch to go down. I specifically want Rupert Murdoch to die a very sad person. Is that awful? Yes. Oh, dear. Oh, I'm very sassy today. Indeed. Um, is it because we're together? I think so. I think we I'm couldn't hug, no. but we're in the same room, so that's exciting. Yeah, and we uh, we made some labels earlier. We did. I got a new <laughs> label maker. These are the things that excite you when you're in your 30s. Well, like I think it's true. Like um, the other day I was going for a walk with my husband and we saw an eagle flying in the sky not far from us and the level of excitement I felt. It made your day. What seeing like a beautiful bird and I thought I had this moment of thinking this is what adulthood is this now. Is, this is you've reached peak bird adult. watching. Yeah. <laughs> I actually thought about buying a book and my mother in law loves bird watching. I understand why. She now. has books and everything. I used to think it was because so, my dad likes it and I was like, oh my God, bird watching. But now I'm I'm watching birds. That's what I'm doing. Great. Welcome to adulthood. Yeah. 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 Have you listened to any new podcasts recently? Uh, what have I been listening? Oh, yes. I listened to The Man in the Window, which is um, Wondery's, that that's Wondery's oh. um, take on the Golden State Killer. It's oh, probably, yes. It's not a new podcast. I know that. But because I'm obsessed with true crime yeah. and the Golden State Killer particularly, I Is it worth to listening one. to? Like, is it's there really new information? Uh, yeah. Information I didn't know, actually, which is a feat, considering just, I read the book. And they the- just announced the, like, 
HBO miniseries, didn't they, of the um, – I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Yeah. So exciting. So exciting. Well, so – because I love that book by Michelle McNamara. Yeah. And the whole case is just fascinating. And, of course, I'm hot for holes. Just everything <laughs> about – Paul who Paul was the Hulls. detective on the case. If you're here as like a pure musical theatre nerd and you don't know anything about true crime, I'm very sorry about this. <laughs> but I'm also obsessed with murder. How about you? Have you listened to anything new? Uh, well, we talked about that podcast you're wrong about last week, which is basically these two journalists who debunk popular events in modern history, you know, things that have happened in media. I'm just going through the back catalogue of that at the moment. I really love that one. What's the latest topic you've listened They did to? the Y2K bug. Oh, cool. Yeah, which was great because it was kind of a debunking of the popular theories about it and then actually kind of a debunking of the debunking. Cool. Yeah. You know, I was trying to explain because I teach high school students, I was trying to explain Y2K because I, I sometimes forget that the kids I teach were not born. No, yeah, Like they have no They're born this millennia. Yeah. Even like millennium. what was I talking about? I was talking about Lord of the Rings or something and I was like, oh, you know, when it came out in 2001 and then all the kids are looking at me like, miss, we were born in 2005. Like <laughs> how dumb are you? Anyway, so um, the boys had no concept of Y2K and just the true madness that it was. Yeah. I saw this great meme the other day that was like um, I told my children that I w- when I was younger Googled, like I am older than Google <laughs> and they didn't believe me. Jeez, yeah, we're so much older than Google. We are. Oh, no. It's, it's a bizarre thing, uh, isn't it? Yeah, it is the kid, bizarre. Tell your kids that next week and I'm see if they to. believe you. Yeah, because <laughs> we're going back to school next week. You are. Yeah, oh. well, fun, fun, fun. Fun, fun. So to talk about musicals again, have you had any musical-related experiences this week, Ruth, in um, isolation? I'm trying to think. Not really i did listen to the most recent kerrigan loudermilk show called the mad ones it's actually been around for a while but they they just released an an out studio album version of it recently um that's quite good are you a kerrigan loudermilk fan i love that album that they did of all the standalone stuff yeah Yeah. and i can't remember the name of it that's fairly old now isn't it it is goodness i can't remember it but it is a great album. I only know it because if you're a female singer, there's a lot of good stuff in there for you. Great stuff. <laughs> well, the show has that, you know that song Run Away With Me that's yes, on there, the yes. beautiful, I think Michael Arden maybe does it uh, on that album. And, yeah, that's from this show. Yeah, cool. Um, the Mad Ones. And, uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, they write some great stuff. Yeah. I feel like they're the, they just haven't really broken through in the way that, I mean, they were so popular to do as audition songs. Well, yeah, like, like amongst theatre kids, I imagine, like, you know, music theatre nerds and um, kids who are studying music theatre, they'd be super popular. But yeah. for the rest of the world, I think it, I, I think it's slightly similar to the Jason Robert Brown phenomenon, really. Yeah. Who, I, mean, but, I mean, he's had a few shows on Broadway at least. Yeah, you that's know. true. That's very true. Yeah, but they're just kind of hmm, more known for their solo stuff than – Yeah, right. Yeah, which I guess there's a few of those out there. But I feel like they even crossed over to Australian theatre kids, you know, oh, they which not everyone did. does. Like I'm sure there's those composers that are steadily working in New York and yeah. kids in, you know, people who are auditioning in New York know who they are, but well, people remember, over here don't. I remember the the theatre school that I went to when the library at that theatre school got a Kerrigan and Loudermilk songbook, like mm. the sheet music. I remember that very clearly because it was a yeah. cool, exciting Scott year. Allen was massive back then as well. Yeah, Scott Allen. Yeah. yeah. Few of those composers who mostly had these, yeah, standalone songs. Yeah, audition songs almost. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Which, yeah, that's valid. That's right. It's actually really hard to find audition songs. I hope. I hope they can still make a living from that. Yeah. I assume so. I mean, yeah. 
Yeah. As long as people are paying for sheet music, yeah. I suppose. Aside from that, not much this week. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've just been watching reruns of Buffy, so that's me. Did you watch the musical episode? No, because I've seen it seven million times. <laughs> I do sometimes listen to the soundtrack because I have a CD of it. And I don't have many CDs left in my life because, like, when do you use CDs? That's right. But my car has a CD player and sometimes I just find it therapeutic to put a CD on. Who wrote the music? Do you oh, know? Oh, God, I have no idea. Did someone come on and do it? Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, sorry, I'm just adjusting my seat. I'm going to look that. into that. I'm sure one of our many fans will be able to tell us. <laughs> <laughs> so many fans at this um, stage of the podcast. <laughs> Before we launch into our two favourite musicals, I just want to um, direct you guys to our Instagram page, which is newly formed. It is called My Favourite Musical. Favourite has a U in it because we're Australian. Oh, yeah. My Favourite is with an O-U-R-I-T instead of just an O-R-I-T. Mm. So that we, we Thanks, refuse. English teacher Josephine. Yeah, we refuse refuse to spell it any other way yeah um so head over to the instagram where we're gonna i'm gonna be posting some pictures of like for example the hair that we mentioned of you your hair from guys and dolls oh, I'm post a picture massive, of that. Yeah. <laughs> and some um, really uh, cool photos from some of the productions that we've spoken about yeah if you're interested and in you that. can subscribe on yes. on apple Podcasts. subscribe to this podcast rate us please give us five stars and maybe leave a nice review that'd be lovely yeah mean reviews not welcome sorry yeah sorry I mean, we're theater people so we cannot take any criticism no and we'll all. read every single word oh so. we will and then we'll cry about it and i think we're on like a whole bunch of other platforms now too yeah so i think like spotify and what yeah. stitcher and yeah all those ones just all of them yeah. just go to all of them rate us on all of them yeah that's right. That'd be good. Okay. Uh, I think I – did I go first last week? I think you did. Should you go first this week? Sure. Ruth, take us away. Okay. So you're going to be excited. Really? The musical that I'm doing this week is the 25th annual <gasps> Putnam County Spelling Bee. Sorry, I interrupted you. Say it again. The 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason Josephine's excited, this is the first one I've done where – I've had any involvement in a production. In fact, yes. none of your shows, I haven't, none of the shows we've done so far have I ever been involved in an actual production of. That's interesting because I've been in Fiddler on the Roof. And you're in Sunday. And Sunday in the Park with George. Okay, yes. Yeah. So uh, a few years ago, uh, just for context, uh, Josephine was Olive of Str- Olive Ostrovsky <laughs> and I directed a community theatre production of this show. Um, so, yeah, that the, that's very – at the very beginning, just so you know, we know this show well, both of us. I am smiling from ear to ear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, before I get into it, I do want to give a shout-out to the podcast Broadway Backstory, which it finished a couple of years ago now, but it was sort of like a – there was there's two seasons of it on on whatever podcast, you know, app you listen to, what podcasts on. It's definitely worth downloading if you want to know more about – the actual process of how a show goes from sort of conception to being made. Oh, that's cool. And they're all like mini documentaries. So they interview it, – like clearly it's quite a – it's a very like highly um Yeah, that'd be a lot of work. Podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but basically it's like a little audio documentary about how a show comes to be, to fruition kind of thing. Nice. And yeah. did they do an episode on – Yeah, and Daniel? so this is the first one certainly that I've talked about that they've had an episode on. Cool. Um, and I listened to it all when it came out, but I re-listened to the episode – you know, this week in preparation for this and it's really great. And it it just gives you a really great idea of even they get into some, they often get into topics that are quite almost taboo in terms of they talk about some of the issues to do with like licensing and things like this, like things that I think people wouldn't normally talk about freely, openly, you know. But don't you think it's because like there's this, 
perception that Broadway is sort of this magical it's like it's like the Disney curtain like yeah. you don't know what goes on behind yeah it. exactly yeah, yeah. so yeah it's really good I really recommend it and I did get again some ex- like some extra information from there um there's two seasons so I think there's about there'd be about I don't know, 16 shows or something that they've done. And, you know, like there's a two-part episode on Hamilton. And nice. Yeah, really great So stuff. what's the name of that again? Broadway Backstory. Broadway Backstory. And I assume it's available on all the different places Sounds that you great. listen to podcasts. So 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. I'll just call it Spelling Bee from here on out. Probably easier, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, the story is essentially what happens at the 25th Annual Putnam <laughs> County Spelling Bee. It's a district spelling bee, you know, kids competing to go on to the, uh, the state level um there's six kids competing at this level and there's three adults in the show so there's basically like the host the hostess of the of the bee the vice principal of the school and the comfort counselor uh for the kids and essentially all you need to know is that a the adults are like there's it's adults playing the kids in the show so it's not kids playing kids and that Four audience members take part in the show, every show. So four audience members sign up to be in the spelling bee before the show starts. So they know at least they might take part in the show. You know, you would grab a whole bunch more than four volunteers and, and four get read out. And But the rest of the audience isn't necessarily expecting these four to get up and take part in the show. And when I say they take part in the show, they're on stage yeah, potentially like for like half the show. Yeah, That's right. Num- entire numbers happen around them and they sort of get forced into dancing. <laughs> and, and they have to actually spell as well. That's right. They have to get up and spell yeah. exactly like the other, the other contestants. Yes. So, uh, yeah, so I first saw this show in – and I actually found – I have a – this is so nerdy. So I have basically every ticket to every show that like the ticket stub to basically every show I've seen probably since the early 2000s. I have this and I have them. Yes, I've seen. I have like an index card, like sort of organizational system for these You used to tickets. have, I remember you used to have, it was like a, a bell jar, almost like imagine the jar that the rose from Beauty and the Beast yes. is in, but it was just full Filled of with tickets. tickets. I did. And I had block. too many for the bell jar. So I had to, oh and then God. I was like, I know, I'll catalog them. Are they in like a particular order? Yeah. They, they buy kind of um, category. Oh my God. <laughs> like you so, didn't put it in by date? Yeah, I guess I could do that. But instead it's like, Australian musicals, Broadway oh musicals, God. West End musicals. I just don't uh, and, like... and then, yes, they're by date within that section. Who are you? I know, it's terrible. Anyway, it meant I could find this ticket quite easily. <laughs> but I saw it on the 16th of June, 2007 which is the day before I turned 20. Yeah. I have no, I don't remember it being close to my birthday, but that's the day, that's the day before my birthday. And that was at um, the Sydney Theatre, Sydney Theatre Company. It's now called the Ros Packer Theatre um, at Sydney Theatre Company. And it was Melbourne Theatre Company had done it the year before. And is it the same production? Yeah, I think I think like a couple of cast members changed, but it was the same production. Was that the one with Magda Zabanski? That's right, yeah. Oh, yeah. If anyone here has watched Kath and Kim, that's Sharon from Kath and Kim, Magda yeah. Zabanski. She's awesome. She played a male character in it. Yeah. Was she She was Barfay, yeah. Awesome. Which is sort of a, yeah, it's not necessarily. No, that's a weird. Yeah. And David, I mean. David Campbell, oh, who's some, yeah. um, you know, if you're a musical theatre nerd and you've seen, hey, Mr. Producer, the Cameron yeah. McIntosh <laughs> concert, like he's Marius. He was and, Marius, yeah. And he was uh, Chris in the Miss Saigon sections. It was, and he Martin wasn't Martin Gare. Gare. Yeah, he was Martin Gare. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. He, that was quite a bumper show for him. It was. It was. <laughs> yeah. He was so beautiful when he was that age. Beautiful. Beautiful. I remember seeing him in company and just having the biggest crush on him sitting in the audience. Yes. Next to you watching company. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. We were young. Kookaburra. Kookaburra. When Kookaburra did company. Uh, those were the days. <laughs> we, were, yeah, we were young. Um, yeah, so I saw that production and this was one of those shows I think that – the cast recording had been out for a year or two and I'd listened to it before I saw it and it just hadn't done anything for me. Um, I don't know if you were the same. I was exactly the yeah. same. It wasn't until I saw it that I really appreciated the show. And I think part of that is just that the cast recording, obviously they have very specific voices mm. and like they're real character songs. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, oh, why why are they singing like that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Even if the songs are good, it's just you might find that particular nasal quality annoying or yes. something like that. And if you were a fan of the composer, it's it's not sort of No, you're typical. right. I mean, it, it is once you get to know it. Yeah. But you wouldn't go off falsetto and spelling so yeah so the composer is William Finn um some of you might know a new brain falsettos the, the falsettos trilogy um and yeah it's I mean it's certainly quite different to those shows in many ways um even just thematically like yes true hmm. true and it, well it's not about him no that's thing. right he normally writes quite autobiographical shows <laughs> poor Bill Finn yeah <laughs> so yeah this was one of those ones where I just I hadn't really, you know, I'd listened to it a few times and I was like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I didn't really do it. And then I saw it and I just fell in love. I really fell in love with the show. I don't think I'd ever had, it was so funny. I mean, yeah. I don't know about you, but there are very few musicals where it, they are just so funny. I think it's because, like, it's such an unnatural form. Like, it really is. And I can say that as a lover of musicals. But yeah. it's not a dramatically natural form. So there's no. nothing on there that really – because really humour normally comes from, like, those moments of reality or, yeah. you know, like hyper, hyper like, human moments. Or even slapstick or – Yeah, and that's not really that funny, is it? It's you know, very but, rare that the text on the page yes. in a musical is incredibly funny. And that's what's funny about Spelling Beats, the yeah. text. Yeah, it's so funny. The book of the show is hilarious. Yeah. And, yeah, I just fell in love with it. And so it pretty probably started that day, but, you know, we were both very involved in our community theatre at the time. And I it must have been a couple of years later that I first contacted the board of the local musical society and said, like, I want to direct this show. I think it's the perfect little show for us to do. They don't – just for some context, this um, musical society is, you know, 70-plus years old mm. and it is – generally just does big musicals yeah. you know they they do very few small shows because they want to involve big cast That's and right. lots of members of the community exactly and, and it's in a big most of their shows are done in a big 400 seat theater um and yeah they just don't do smaller cast little shows yeah and i mean more audiences particularly because we live in a regional area that's very big on sport audiences are not going to come to some niche show they're going to exactly go and see right. phantom of the opera or exactly Mamma Mia, and know? so we i had been I just said, look, this is a really great show to do, not in the main theatre, but in one of the other smaller theatres that exist in our local community. And I have I have an email from about seven or eight years before we actually did the show where I first emailed them and said, I really think we should do the show and that I, I want to put in to direct it. And, um, and it took that long wow. for me. Every year I would write and just say, you know, this is a really great show to do. Here's why I think we should do it. I think it'll work in this small space. And, yeah, I finally did it. So we did it in early 2017 and I 
Yeah, and it was uh, such a great experience. It was it was really great, wasn't it? We had Magic. A, a, yeah, so there's nine cast members. It was a tiny team. And, again, it's not the sort of show that the Musical Society normally does. So it's a really treasured time in our memories. Mm. And it's a great show to do as a as a director, as a cast member. It, yeah, it's just, it's just a, a gorgeous little show. So some context on how the show kind of came about. So it actually started as a play. Essentially a play, an improv play in downtown New York. Is that the one called Crepuscule? Yeah, Crepuscule, but <laughs> Crepuscule is like they're spelling out the word Crepuscule. So oh, like, like C-R-R-. Dash, dash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, so it started off being called Crepuscule, uh, which in, in the show is one of the words that uh, gets given to the – Do you know what Crepuscule means? Is it, oh, God, it's in the show, isn't it? I think it is, but I can't remember. I feel like that's an important thing. It's, it's not the one where Ms. Peretti is like, it's the, um, oh, just the, before the dawn. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's like. Um, in the, in the dawn comes the crepuscule or whatever. Yes. Yeah, it's like, that moment. Is it like just, just after the sun is set or, or something? something like that. It's something to do with like the, the sunset. <laughs> the and, sun setting. Yeah. 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 Um, Twilight. So, it, yeah, it existed as this like improv play where the the characters were very much built from, hey, who would be in this big spelling bee competition? Um, and it had, I think it had some music in it, but it wasn't a musical. But so, so some different people came and saw it and they ended up, and it had sort of some good buzz and they were like, this could really work as a musical. And they ended up getting William Finn involved uh, to do write the music for it. And so, yeah, he came. He loved, loved the idea. He's like, yep, great, let's do it. And they took it. They did like a out of town at Barrington Stage Company and then they moved off Broadway to Second Stage Theatre uh, and then it moved from there to Broadway. And it, it, and at all these places it just got like incredible reviews yeah, kind of, of thing. And the thing is it the, all of that happened from like October 2002 to April 2005. So like two oh, wow. and a half years for it to move from Why the so very long? beginning. No, that's quick. Is it? That's incredibly quick. Oh. For a show to go from like conception like that to Broadway, considering it's not it's not like Andrew Lloyd Webber going, I'm going to write a show that's going to premiere on Broadway in a year. For it to be a completely original show like that that has moved from off-off-Broadway to Broadway, mm. that's really quick. Wow. Yeah, that's really quick. Jeez. So, um, yeah, it just – because when you think about it, think about how that, that – um, out-of-town theatre and that off-Broadway theatre would have had their seasons planned, you know, like they would have had to be fitting them in in different places and mm. things like that. You've got to you've got to have a theatre available on Broadway to go into that, you know. Yeah. So it's actually really quick that it moves. Wow. Yeah, all things considered. Well, it deserves it, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. So it opened off-Broadway – oh, sorry, it opened on Broadway on April 15th, 2005 uh, at the Circle in the Square Theatre. So I don't know if you know much about that theatre. The most recent show there was the – Oklahoma revival. Oh, that one that I really wish I had seen. Sexy Oklahoma. Yeah, sexy Oklahoma. What did you say? The one I wish I had seen. Oh yeah, I was gonna say I loved it. Oh, I know. <laughs> and I I love Oklahoma. On Twitter they call it Oklahoma that fucks. Ooh. <laughs> sexy Oklahoma. I mean Oklahoma's already sexy to me, but yeah. that's because of Gordon McRae. It was yeah, it was really great. The house lights are up for like most of the really? show. Yeah. And and that theatre is basically in the round. Yeah, okay. It's like ninety percent in the round. Um Well that's not in the round, is it, Ruth? <sighs> Isn't that like what is that? Um arena yeah something like that I think you might be able to do a full circle there I haven't seen a show there that's a full circle 
But I've I've seen a few things there. Fun Home was also there. Yeah, musical Fun Home. Yeah, it was beautiful. Um, Yeah, so it moved there and it ran for almost three years on Broadway, which is, again, pretty amazing considering it's this, you know, tiny little um, show. Show about kids. Yeah, you know. But sorry to interrupt you. Spelling bees are a big thing in the US, right? Well, I certainly think they're a much bigger thing. Like they don't exist here, They don't exist here. No, no, but I know like because from what I've seen from other like TV shows that I've watched, people watch The Spelling Bee. Like it's a thing that – Have you seen – there's a documentary called Spellbound. No. Which is literally a documentary about the National Spelling Bee in America. It's definitely amazing. worth watching. It sounds yeah. amazing. It's like the final final, like the one that they're sort of trying wow. to get to. And, again, it's a bunch of characters just like spelling it's, – it's exactly like the type of kids that are in Spelling well, Bee. Well, I think they te- – like in America the National Spelling Bee is televised. Yes, I believe so. So I think it's a big deal. Big deal. Yeah. Yeah, well. yeah. Um, so it was nominated for six Tony Awards and it won two. Hmm. It won Best Book for Rachel Scheinken and Best Featured Actor in a Musical for Dan Fogler. He played Buffet. Yeah, nice. Um, and and by the time it was on Broadway, it was being directed by James Lapine. So oh, wow. one of the things they talk about in Broadway Backstory, which I found fascinating, is the woman who actually conceived it, um, Rachel, I'm going to forget her last name. Anyway, I will look that up and say it. But basically – she conceived it and she was the original Olive and she – they kind of realised – at some point during the production they realised that she didn't really have the singing voice to play Olive because oh, she was mostly like an improv actor. And she knew, she was aware of that. Like she's interviewed on this podcast. And and then they um, – and then they also kind of realised as it's moving to, um, to Off-Broadway that, that probably her directing skills – like they need a, a really experienced director to come in and work on it as well. Yeah, man. And so that's when they bring James Lapine in. So you say Lapine, and I know in our first episode I said Lapine. Is it Lapine? I'm pretty sure it's Lapine. Oh, God damn. Well, I should have corrected you then. I sh- you should have. Well, now we have both on the record depending yeah. on who's correct. Well, look, sorry about that. <laughs> I'm pretty um, sure it's Lapine. Her name is Rebecca Feldman. That's it, Rebecca Feldman. I think she had something to do with unorthodox that um oh did she well it's just like a suggested search on i'm just looking on you on google right now yeah i know i lied ignore me (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so she then had to sort of deal with the fact that she actually didn't end up being either in the show or on the production team yeah Yeah. i mean she would still because she did it's her concept originally you know she would and they sort of talk about this idea of because a lot of the – there were like three cast members that have been with it right from when it was downtown. Um, so Dan Fogler was one of them. Yeah. And I think Jay Reese who played the principal and Sarah Salzberg who was Logan, Schwartz and Grubinier. Um, And so Sarah Salzberg talks on it about when they're working all the stuff out, like her still getting a cut because they came up with the characters. Like yeah. they, were, they were part of the original conception. The workshop, of, of That's course. right. And so it's like – yeah, if that gets oh, so she done. Gets residuals so like from... yeah, so like when we did the show, it's important for an actor like that to still get a cut. That's cool. Yeah. And so they I think it's so... the same with what, like a chorus line too? Because they Yeah, that's that's right. That but I th- actually think this would be a bit different. I think they would actually be credited not just as an actor, but as a writer on the show. That's cool. Yeah. Um so yeah, so um they talk about that, but yeah, that poor Rachel. Feldman, who just in the end wasn't able to, to actually yeah. be in it or or direct it, but sometimes it's like, well, that's what's best for the show. Yes. So I'm glad that she could sort of see that. So, um, 
Yeah, a couple of things. You would have heard of a few cast members who were in it on Broadway have sort of since gone on to fame elsewhere. Um, one of the big ones is uh, Jesse Tyler Ferguson was the uh, original Leaf in uh, on Broadway in Spelling Bee. And he, of course, went on to be in Modern Family um, and, like, you know, for 10 years or whatever. Yeah. And What was this character's name in Modern M- Family? Mitch. I think yeah, he's Mitch. So he's yeah, so he's the redhead. Yes, that's right. Brother of the chick. Right? Cam. I Mitch? don't really watch the – I don't Goodness. watch the show. Sorry. No, I don't either. It's Cam or Mitch. Whoever is the son of the old man from Married with Children, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then Dan Fogler, who I mentioned, won the Tony. A lot of people would know him. He was in the Fantastic Beasts film. Yes. Played Jacob Kowalski in the Fantastic Beasts movies. Um, and then Josh Gad was a replacement uh, Barfay during the run. And, of course, he went on to be the original Elder Cunningham in Book of Mormon and then Olaf in the in Frozen. Frozen films yeah. and LeFou in The Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, he's done you know, heaps. Like, he's done heaps, yeah. Very specific character for Josh Gad. He, yes, yeah. correct, correct. Yeah. And, like, you see him and you go, yeah, he was definitely a Barfay. Yeah. Like, once you know the show, it's sort of quite yeah. obvious that he would have been a Barfay. The male Magda Zabansky. <laughs> Yeah, so I just think, you know, considering it's a cast of nine, the fact that quite a few of them went on to do yeah. amazing other things is is great. I mean, I love that you'll probably mention this, but I love that they're all on stage, really, the whole, like it's all just in one, it's in one yeah. hall and everyone stays on stage until they get out. That's so right. It's so, it's such a small little show in that way. Like, And you also, you know, and I'm sure Josephine would have enjoyed this being a cast member in the show, so... You have to act the entire time. Oh, you're never and you off. Have four, it's not like you just get to act with your fellow actors. You have four strangers on stage with you every show that yes. you just have to be your character to for, you know, for up to 45 minutes before they get out. Yes. It's delightful. Yeah. So one of the things I wanted to talk about is the fact that, yes, there's audience participation. And, you know, I think when we were talking about Fiddler last week, I don't, I'm not normally a fan of audience participation as such. No, but you're talking about it like pantomime. Yeah. That's I not... don't want the audience to sort of have a choice in what they, no. <laughs> in how they participate. But that, and luckily that doesn't happen that's in this right. show. So the script is incredibly well crafted yes. such that you have like at the back of the script that you're given in the libretto, it has endless choices for you to pick like choose your own adventure it's basically. almost like a dictionary at the back of it that is, book isn't it is it? it gives you a whole lot of words that you can use to give to the spellers um and the you know the there's always a joke when they ask for the definition and it's used in a sentence there's always a joke that comes with that yeah um and there's also for rosa peretti who's the the hostess um for her Rona. to Sorry? Rona. Rona. Why did I call her Rosa? I don't know. Rona Pretty, who's the hostess, when she introduces people, there's always sort of a joke she can make about the person who gets up. So, you know, like if it's a bald guy, it's like, you know, so-and-so is recovering from head lice, you know, or or whatever. (laughs) And there's – I think the one we used a lot was – uh, so and so was Miss July for you know yeah, whatever like, or like she like the Girl Scout yeah sold too many cookies or exactly gave yeah, away cookies yeah. for free or yeah something. there's yeah, like yeah. there's lots of great ones and <laughs> um yeah and so and then it also has very specific instructions for if this audience member is eliminated here then sk- do this sing this version of the yeah. goodbye song or you know because there's every time someone gets out um the cast sing this little goodbye. And, and every goodbye song is slightly different. I know. It's actually really cool. It, as an actor, it keeps you on your feet. So you're in the show and, and the audience member gets up to spell their word and if they get it wrong, then you've got to sing the correct goodbye. Yeah. And 
And, of course, the MD, being a good MD, would just get straight into that song and off you go. Yeah. But then if the audience member gets that word right, then, well, you don't sing the song. And we had that happen once, didn't we? Yes. Sort of some confusion happened and. Well, that that particular audience member actually knew how to spell quite a difficult word. Yeah. And then (laughs) it was sort of we knew that Chip needed to get out for the next section of the show to happen yeah. and uh yeah it was sort of a whole in the end it all got fixed on stage but and no one broke character but it, there was I could see, see how, the panic in everyone's yeah. eyes <laughs> standing at the back of the theater it's just lovely that I mean for the audience who are not on stage it looks like everyday people have put their names up and they've gone up to participate in a real spelling bee but I mean what you don't know is that usually they're being set up to fail anyway because yes. they have to get out at specific times yeah. and they can't be on they can't be in the show for That's very That's right. Long. There's sort of a point that we know that everyone has to be out by. Yeah. Um, that, that, that's very clear in the script. Every speller, every volunteer speller has to be out by yeah. this stage of the show. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and it's just so expertly written yeah. that you can control those audience members. And, and generally when they get out, they give you, like, if nothing else, a completely made-up word. Yeah. And there they tell a story um, on the Broadway backstory about how they actually only introduced that because the night that the New York Times came to see the show to review it, the woman who writes the crossword oh was one of the volunteer spellers and they couldn't get her out. <gasps> she just kept spelling and, and, and the audience loved it, of they course, wouldn't. ate it up. The show must have gone for like 20 minutes yes. extra. <laughs> yes. And they were just kept trying to get her out and she knew every word. And in the end after that they made up a word oh, that no. they use. Yeah. And then they can just say it's wrong no matter what that's awesome <laughs> yeah that is yeah, awesome yeah. see luckily and this is no um no comment on where we live but that didn't really need it didn't to happen, happen. <laughs> it didn't happen just that one guy who was quite smart yes <laughs> yeah um and then you know the other thing I love and we've talked I think we've we might have mentioned it in our when I talked about into the woods in our pilot episode but you know often for shows they'll do kind of school or like sort of Junior PG version. versions yes. of of, uh, of things and so in this case it is available for schools to license and I think probably what happens a bit is that it's very adult it's very I mean it's not adult in the it's it's sort of adult humor that would go over a lot of kids' heads. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um. There's not really. I think they. I think they say shit once. Like there's not a lot of swearing in it. No, but the themes of it are quite. Yes. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Anyway, there's a song um in it called "My Unfortunate Erection," mm. and they've actually provided sort of an old. That's the only song where they give like alternative lyrics. What as is such. the alternative? Well, so um, it's my unfortunate distraction. Oh no! But what the what the amazing thing is is Bill Finn has written a note. If you like, for people who are planning to use this version, I just want to read it out to you because it's like classic Bill Finn. Please. So it's um uh from Bill Finn for those people who find my unfortunate erection too extreme for their school or their church group. We understand. That's the reason we have provided an alternative lyric, my unfortunate distraction. The distraction, my friends, is puberty in all its unpleasant manifestations. Note that whatever lyric Chip sings, he is singing the song while throwing candy into the audience. If he throws enough candy at a school, the audience will be screaming so loud that it won't matter what lyric he sings. For the record, the original is funnier and more to the point. (laughs) Use it if at all possible. Amazing. Well, I mean, my unfortunate distraction, it's still about an erection, isn't it? It's like, right. It's like it's still, still the same. The just because you're not saying the, the word erection. Because the story is that Chip gets out because he has an erection. Yes. And he's just distracted by it. Yeah, exactly. Hilarious. Exactly. Because how do they do that whole scene when he has an erection and can't spell a word? I know. <laughs> I know. Like, And also 
just don't do the show. If well, you... I mean, if you're a school and you're thinking about doing spelling bee, yeah. I mean, your kids should probably know about erections anyway. Right? Like, <laughs> should we be hiding the fact that erections exist? And it is funny because I know when we auditioned the show, um, we had quite a broad age range audition for the for the kids, right? And as a director, like that was one of the things I had to really consider is that, yes, and we had everything from like 16-year-olds to say like people in their 40s auditioning to play these kids. And it's sort of like, yes, you you want adults playing them, but you also want there to be somewhat of a general similar age range of mm. your adults playing it. Like, like I think it would have looked weird if we had a 16-year-old playing one child and a 45-year-old playing another child. Yes. You know, so in the end, I think most of our cast were in their sort of late 20s to late 30s. Yeah. And that kind of worked as a general age range for the children. I know that sounds funny, but, you know, once I sort of looked at – we had some really – I remember we had some really talented 16-year-olds audition and they were great. Just but too young. Yeah, that's right. Kids. It would have looked odd compared to, you know, having to cast another character, person who was much older. Yeah. yeah. Well, I remember there was one, one show that we did where we had an actual audience – participator who was a child mm. so I can only imagine as an like audience, about a 12 year old yeah I was think? she 12 well she came up and we're all supposed to be like 10 year olds and there's an actual 10 year old sitting yeah next to us that must have been pretty funny. something like that mm. yeah that was funny oh, so it was such a joyful show it really was it was so much fun to do <gasps> um so a couple of things I wanted to discuss uh I wanted to know if you were any in any competition type things as a child like this you know I was <laughs> you know knowing me yes I was in like whatever debating, public speaking, spelling, yeah. whatever existed, I was in it. They, they, I guess, again, Australia is not as competitive in these types of things as no. America is. Like definitely public speaking and debating was a big thing for me when I was a kid. Right. And there were lots of areas you could go and do that and like – performance poetry as a kid but competitive poetry right. like, like speaking like speech and, where you used yeah. to do the exams and everything yeah stuff like that yeah um we did have maybe at school there was competitive spelling but it was only ever within school. yeah I don't remember ever doing it yeah but of course if it was available I was doing it I mean because I'm a big scrabble nerd as well yeah. and yeah I, so I've always had quite a good like vocabulary mm. and things like that and I don't remember ever spelling at school really really no I just rem- like I did go to a very much a government public school. Oh, yeah. But I think you and I were definitely the kids that if this had existed, we oh, would have done yeah. it. Like oh, without yeah. a doubt. We were these kids. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. And you did it like we talked about Estevids earlier. I did piano oh, yeah. Estevids. A few singing Estevids, but mostly piano Estevids. Yeah, I did singing Estevids for like I'd say 15 years. Yeah. Plus yeah. some speaking ones. Yeah. yeah. Plus some dance ones. But I was trying to think and it's not th- that sort of – I guess dance has a few more competitions, but – it's not the sort of thing that exists in this country like it does well, in America. Well, even now I think Estevfords are not not a thing really Aren't anymore. They? No, I don't think they so. They were quite competitive when I was a kid. Very. Yeah. We would have like 30 people in a section. My mum still has all my trophies. I threw mine out. <laughs> I'm trying to, but yeah. she's holding on to those glory years. They say just like take a photo and then keep that photo. It's not the same for my mother. Okay. <laughs> Clearly my adult years have <laughs> not lived up to the trophy cabinet in your mum's house. <laughs> Oh, oh dear. no. I did, as I, in high school, they did these, um, it was like a Greek drama competition. Oh, my gosh. And, um, what does that mean? Yeah, like you would do like excerpts from Greek drama and you would oh, compete wow. against other schools. That poor audience member. <laughs> like, what? And we did um, Oedipus Rex and I was Jocasta, the of mother course. slash lover. Well, you are quite the 
saucy mix. <laughs> the main thing I remember is that we got to like the state finals or whatever and um, it was it was like I had this big speech. It was the speech just before she goes and like cuts her eyes out. Like she's found out, you know, that. Yeah, it's her son. Yeah, it's her son. <laughs> and, um, and I sort of did this big speech and, and ran to um, run off stage and I was supposed to run through like a slit in the curtain and because I was so sort of worked up, I just had run to the wrong point of the curtain and was oh, just no. scrambling to find <gasps> the space in the curtain to run through and that took like many seconds that felt like oh. an eternity. Do you ever have panic dreams of that moment? It, it's certainly something that sticks in my mind. I have no doubt. 20, almost 20 <laughs> years later. Wow. Um, yeah, that's stressful. But yeah. I don't like those feelings at all. Yeah. So. Do you remember my school never did this because I went to a Catholic school, but there was like, um, was it? Uh, Rocker Stedford? That was a competitive oh, yeah. thing we did. My school didn't compete either, but yes, other schools in our area definitely competed. Yeah, which is which like, was kind of like dance, but yeah, like it was almost like a story, like, like theme performance, dance. Performance yeah, yeah, there would be a theme every year, and yeah, it would be like longer than a song. Like it would be like you do like a ten minute, yeah, like a ten minute performance with probably a couple of songs and like some dances and maybe acting bits in it. Yeah, because I remember a lot of our friends had done that. Yes. I feel like that's really all there was. Yeah. Like apart from sport, if you're not a sporty that's kid it. in Australia, Australia, sorry. it's all about sport. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's why we're sitting in a studio on a beautiful day. Yeah, that's right. It's so lovely and it's sunny so beautiful outside, out there. and we're inside in the music studio. <laughs> um, yeah, I just thought that was interesting because yeah, in America, there's all the cheerleading and that's all so these true. sorts of things. Did you just, see that? Did you watch cheer, cheer on Netflix? Oh, it's so good. Stop it. I'm so obsessed. Good. Obsessed. Um, and. I also wanted to talk about – well, I'll talk about the gateway songs I think that people should listen to. Oh, yeah, they've never listened songs. to the show, again, I have to warn you, I think it's the sort of show that's Doesn't hard to listen to yeah. if you haven't seen the show. I feel like for me that's also Urinetown. Like I get the feeling that I would love Urinetown if I saw it. Yeah, but see, I, I have never it. been able to – have you seen the show? No, I've never seen it. I've only like, listened, listened to it. Listen to the cast recording. Ugh. Well, again, I wouldn't say I hate it, but I've just never been able to get into it. But I felt the same way about – Spelling, Spelling bee, bee when I listened to it. Yeah. I was like, oh, I can't. No, nah, no. Nah. Yeah. But I just, everyone I know who loves You're in Town have very similar, um, like, tastes in musicals too. Mm. And, but they're all people who've either done a production or, or seen, seen it. it. Yeah. And I just, I'm sure that I would love it. So is there a song that if you haven't seen it, you could enjoy from Well, okay, Spelling so bee? I think the I Love You song oh. is definitely the song that, yeah, even if you've never, because again, it's kind of the only really, really serious song in the show. Yeah. And I wanted to give that as an example because I love, like one of, like literally one of the things that makes me so happy in a musical is when it's a really positive musical that gut punches you with a, with a, like a sad yeah. song. And that song does, it gets a proper gut punch. It is a gut punch. But when you've had an hour of hilarity. Hilarity. And kids being just hilarious and then this song comes along and it just gets you in like all of the emotions that you have yeah. or you have suppressed from your childhood. Yeah. There they are. And it's like it's like you've been crying from laughter and then yeah. you literally start crying. Yeah. There's nothing I love more in a show than that. Yeah. Whether that twist, you know. <laughs> like, oh, you're a sadist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, especially as a director, it's just like. How can we make – I just remember us blocking that song oh, yeah. being like, we are going to maximise the tears at well, this I, point. I will say as as one of the actors who was causing the tears, it is quite gratifying. 
when you're up on stage and Absolutely. you're singing your little heart out and everyone's crying. And in all the three of the people who sing that song in the show, all three of the cast members in our show, all have glorious voices. Why, and thank it was you. it was just yeah. It's a beautiful song and it should be the gateway song. I, I think. think so too. I think that's definitely like the number one. But it also when I say that, it also doesn't necessarily give you a sense of what no. the rest of the show is. Well, like we've said, it's very different from the yeah. rest of the show. Um so it's kind of I mean, like, don't get me wrong, there are there's actually a lot of serious undertones in this show. Yeah. Yeah. But it's all watched very much with like a veneer of sort of happy, um, funny stuff. Yeah. But I would say like Pandemonium's probably another one. Um, what about the Prayer of the Comfort Counselor? Yeah. Again, though, I think that that's it's a great. I actually think that that song works better in the context of seeing the show mm, than it does. So the Comfort Counselor is basically the character is there to literally when the kids get out and the audience members get out, get their word wrong, they're there to comfort the the performer and um <laughs> and with a juice box kind of thing and in the context of the show it's like a guy doing his community service yeah it's like a guy on parole yeah like <laughs> um and so and actually Josephine's husband Shane played it in our production yeah and he was so he good he was so good and it's actually written like originally it would generally be cast as an African American sort of like gospel singer yeah and the, the area that Josephine and I live yeah. it's like very white bread sort of middle class you know they're just there's no one who would have ever even auditioned um to play that role and it doesn't say anything in the script that it has to be that way it just obviously we didn't play it that way we didn't play it like a gospel kind of so he had sort of like tattoo sleeves down to his wrists and was a bit more almost like a um sort of hickey sort of like he was a bit yeah we made him look like white trash yeah exactly it was a bit like he was white trash so (laughs) which he is anyway yeah that's right (laughs) that's why you married him exactly um so yeah so that's that's that song. I think that, yeah, I think Pandemonium's a good one because it's it's kind of, it's a big group number. You get a sense of um, like what the spelling sort of situation is like and stuff like that. And then if I had to give like one of, it basically like every character gets their own song to a certain degree. And I think that Magic Foot is probably for a single character's song, again, a good sort of gateway. You yeah. might find, I mean, Dan Floger ha- very much has a character voice when he sings it, so some people may find that a little bit grating. Yeah. Uh, but it is so, a- You know, um, in our production, so my dad obviously comes along to support me, anything I do, yeah. but never enjoys anything. Like, he just famously hates musicals, hates going out of the house, yeah. and sitting in a theatre, and he still sings Magic Foot at home to this day. That's amazing. Like, he is a- and he, sing- he sings it exactly like Barfay sings it, because he just loved it that much oh, he loved that song I love that so the character to so a lot of them have their ways that they remember how to spell the word you know um Olive speaks into her hand doesn't yeah, she yeah and basically yeah Barfay spells it out on the ground with his, with foot. his foot and of course yeah. it's almost like a little dance that he does <laughs> and this whole song is him showing us how he spells it out with his foot and it's so a, it is a really great I can see why Dan Fogler won the Tony yeah. because it is a real showy kind of character. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know. It's a proper underdog so, I mean, too. spoiler alert, he wins. he wins the spelling bee. So he's on stage the whole show and yeah. unfortunately Olive doesn't she get there. so but, close. But Olive and, Olive and Buffet become friends. They, get, yeah. they both get to make a friend, which is the lovely moment at the end of the show. Yeah. Because so those kids don't get many no, friends, do they? That's right. <laughs> so – yeah, that's that's spelling bee. I would do that show again in a heartbeat. I would love to. Would I'm, you invite me back? Yes. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awkward. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you. I um I was 
just thinking how good it would be for us to disagree more about our musicals. But when you continue to bring out musicals that I love, I'm sorry. I can't disagree with you. Maybe I'm you'll sorry. disagree with my choice today. I'm going to bring the mood way down. Okay, yes. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> like, let's just really pull it right back. <laughs> I'm going to be talking about Parade by Jason Robert Brown. Oh, that is a bit of a mood shift oh, from spelling bee. Like, let's just talk about a massive bummer right now. Like, let's really. <laughs> so it's called Parade, but literally don't be fooled by the title. This musical is a bummer. It's a huge, huge downer. I don't want to ruin anything, but I do also love this show. Oh, yeah, see, we can't disagree at this Maybe stage. we can disagree on some principles. Yeah, okay, good. Oh, I doubt it, but anyway. Um, okay, so Parade. I've chosen this musical because it is, it's one of the first sort of, I'm going to in inverted commas say new musicals that I was ever really exposed to mm. as a child because I watched a lot of movie musicals when I was growing up and this was the first sort of brand new fresh thing. I got, I had a friend of mine burnt me a CD of the cast recording from the original Broadway production and I actually, the the CD only included up until the third last song. So I didn't oh. hear the last two songs until not that long ago, to be honest. <laughs> but anyway, so I had this like burnt CD. I've still got it. It doesn't work. But um, and I fell in love straight away with the writing. The music is just just stunning. Yeah. But also like the story, it was the first time really, apart from Fiddler on the Roof, which I spoke about last week, it's the first time a musical to me has really tackled something quite awful mm. in its subject matter. And because I love true crime, that appealed to me even as a young murderino, which I was back then. <laughs> um, so music and lyrics are by Jason Robert Brown and book by Alfred Urey, um, Jason Robert Brown, for those who know Ruth and I, is pretty much our, like, apart from Sondheim, he's sort of it for us. Like, we used to fangirl over him when we, when we were, like, teenagers. When we were teenagers, we were obsessed. It was just everything was Jason Robert Brown and it sort of still is to an extent. Um, and this, like, I toyed with doing Songs for a New World instead of Parade. Yeah. But Parade is, it's much better. It's yeah. a much better musical for so many reasons. And I'm going to tell you why. So... Um, I think I was about 15 when I got this Broadway cast recording, um, just loved it instantly. And because I already loved Songs for a New World, I sort of found the songs of JRB just so beautiful. Yeah. Just so like unbearably beautiful. Okay, the plot. So this is a dramatization of a real life true crime story from Georgia in the States. It's about the 1913 trial of the, a Jewish factory manager whose name is Leo Frank, um, who he was accused of raping and murdering a 13-year-old employee at his factory whose name is Mary Fagan. Um, he was sentenced to death, like he was found guilty, sentenced to death, but then that was later commuted to life in prison. And as a result of that, um, of the commuting of the sentence and at the time like this great confluence of events that were like issues surrounding the trial that came to light with evidence and stuff, then also like rampant anti-Semitism in the South and the States, um, really serious sensationalisation um, by the media, all of that sort of came together to create this like perfect storm um, and Leo Frank was then um, like ripped out of the prison and lynched that that's that's the story yeah, you awful. see why it's a mad bummer yeah. like it's oh so the end is literally him being lynched um actually and this is even more of a bummer as like this is a sidebar as a result of that true life case and the lynching there actually happened to be a revival of the kkk which was then defunct right like in the states this is sort of the second wind of the kkk in georgia and on the plus side the anti-defamation league which is like a Jewish civil rights right. um, organization came, like it was founded. 
Because of this case. Because of this case. Like it just, it was, I can't explain, this is 1913, but it was so huge. Yeah. Just such a huge deal. Um, Leo Frank was also posthumously pardoned in 1985 after a witness who was a a young boy at the time, like a really young boy, actually witnessed something um, but was uh, threatened by the actual murderer to never say anything and sort of on his deathbed, well, not really on his deathbed, but when he was a very old man, he came forward and told his story. Um, and implicated the real murderer, who was Jim Connolly, happened to be a sweeper at the factory right. at the time. So, um, like Fiddler that I talked about last week, it actually doesn't seem like this story is going to work as a musical. And if you've just listened to that explanation, you're thinking, <laughs> how could you possibly sing a song about any yeah. of that? Um, yeah, like you can't imagine a character breaking out into song. It just really does work. Interestingly, this the story starts like at the Civil War, Right. Which I actually find quite strange. Like I've never seen – have you seen this show in real life? So I haven't – this is actually the first one we've done where I haven't seen a, like a professional production. Oh, you've production. seen an amateur production? Well, I saw this – I saw it the first time. I believe it was the first time it was done in Australia, mm. um, which was in Melbourne. It just happened to be on. I was down visiting my grandparents um, at the time and my dad, my dad and I were down together and I was like, oh, someone's doing parade. Dad, we have to go. And I dragged my dad along and he quite enjoyed it. Yeah, he would. I can yeah. imagine that. Yeah. And yeah, it was right. done with a like traverse stage. Like you oh, sat cool. on either side and then it was sort of a, yeah, the action happened in the middle. Oh, yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Not that I I've seen that worked it. quite well for it. That's cool. Yeah. But that's the only production I've ever seen. Okay. Well, yeah. so uh, like even though it's set in 1913, it opens up in, on this beautiful song called The Old Red Hills, Hills of Home and it's like the Civil War. Um, so then in, in the midst of that song in the opening of the show, then it transitions to 50 years later and you see like the same uh, character who's older now is like a veteran and it's the day of the Memorial Day Parade. Um, so just like for context, um, it's sort of prudent, I think, for Jason Robert Brown and Alfred Urey to mention the Civil War because obviously the Memorial Day Parade is like when Mary Fagan was murdered, but also like it sort of reminds audiences, I think, of the ideology of the South at the time, like in terms of Northerners and black people. And so it really sets the stage for this case this really like anti-jewish and lots of racial tensions going on like having the civil war as the beginning sort of um it really solidifies all of that ideology i think right um that's my when's memorial day is it I'm oh god to think. i don't know okay yeah i don't know either yeah it's very american centric it's very american yeah sorry americans i don't know when memorial day is but i know that yeah so mary fagan was murdered on memorial day um, the, uh, I think like. Oh, it's the, twi- it's late May. So it's coming oh, up. Oh yeah. I thought it'd be like a summary sort of yeah. thing. Um, because Leo Frank is a northerner. So he comes from, he's like a Yankee. Right. So there's a lot of already like he's Jewish and a Yankee. He was sort of bound to be lynched. I think like, right. I think that's the whole point of it. There's the most beautiful love story that develops between Lucille and Frank. Um, right. And now the words Leo, like they're sorry. not necessarily in love yes. until he is until tried he, for murder. Yeah, that's right. There's nothing that says I love you, husband, than being on trial for murder. Sorry, that was my chair. Um, but that's nice. Like it's nice to have a love story that develops in the midst of crazy craziness. Um, productions. I've never seen a production of this show. Yeah. Shock horror because I've never been anywhere. Do you feel like you need to? Oh, I don't. I feel like the music 
it speaks gives for enough context. Yeah, and I understand like why this is probably a show that's not going to get many goes on stage. No, and I'll talk about why. So I don't, I don't like my chances of seeing it. No, a whole we're going to have to do it. <laughs> yeah, let's, good luck to us. <laughs> Um, the show opened on Broadway at the Vivian Beaumont Theatre at the Lincoln Centre in December in 1998. It closed. That's one of my favourite theatres. Is in the it world. really? Yeah. Wow. That and the National Theatre in London. Oh, yeah, like that's the main theatre there. Yeah, yeah. They're both big thrust stages. Nice. So that Vivian Beaumont, they do a lot of the um, the revivals of the Golden Age musicals. Like yes. I saw My Fair Lady there and King and I. And yeah, okay. I saw War Horse there. And it's a big, it, beautiful it, like, production. Just this thrust stage when you're not in a very big actual theatre like I think it only seats less than a thousand or whatever so it feels so intimate yes super intimate and like the show is coming at you oh nice and that thrust covers the orchestra pit so in I think it was King one of the shows I saw there the orchestra pit was open so the thrust was open on top for the overture oh wow and then as the show started the the actual floor of the stage started moving forward to cover the orchestra pit as so it that started. the actors could use the thrust. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah beautiful. Oh, wow. Mm. Well, so, so the show opened at the end of 1998 and it closed in February the next year. It literally only had 39 previews and 84 regular oh, shows. Short run, yeah. It's such a short run. Um, but I think like a really gorgeous cast on yeah. Broadway, just beautiful. Like we've got – so it was directed by Hal Prince. That's right. And he sort of spearheaded the whole idea of the musical. He actually um, – he wanted it – like he, he sort of approached Jason Robert Brown – after Sondheim, he went to Sondheim originally and Sondheim wasn't oh, interested. Right. And Sondheim actually said, go talk to Jason Robert Brown because I think there was some connection was, there between the connection Daisy. That, yeah, so Daisy, Daisy Prince, Prince directed Songs for a New World, that's which right. is Hal Prince's daughter. So he, so Jason Robert Brown was already on Hal Prince's radar. So I think he was happy to go from Sondheim to JRB. Yeah. Um, and like also the, there's – JRB is very in, inspired by Sondheim. So I'm, you yeah. Know. Anyway, so Hal Prince directed it and he sort of wanted it to be like an American opera. It was, is the way right. that he wanted it to be. And it I does, can see that. yeah, it does turn into that definitely. Yeah. So the Broadway cast had Brent Carver as Leo, beautiful voice. Yeah. Stunning. Um, Carolee Carmelo as Lucille. I love her. Also just stunning. Yeah. So beautiful. Love her. And I didn't realize this until I looked at the Broadway cast. It was Jessica Malaski was yeah, um, yeah. Mary's mother. Yeah. She was one of the women, I think woman two in. Uh, yeah. Song like she sings, World. um, she sings Stars on the, the Moon. Stars on the Moon. And, yeah. and um, I think she's quite a well known step. like cabaret singer in her own right. I can believe it. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was a US national tour not long after it closed on Broadway and it opened sort of for the first time in the UK in 2007. That's a big gap between productions. And there was a concert version performed in 2015 with Jeremy Jordan. Oh, I would have killed us. I know. And Laura Venanti in the main roles. Oh. And I cannot find any reference. Like you yeah. can well, see. Well, if it's held for one or two nights, it's, it's so like, sad. I know. But like why couldn't they have recorded it or yeah. something? Man. Yeah. Because, yeah, Jeremy Jordan would have been amazing. Incredible. The response at the time was really mixed from critics. Praise was sort of unanimous for the score because it is flawless, the score. But some critics really felt like it was a bit too – the script was too liberal with racial slurs to begin with. Oh. It made audiences uncomfortable. Remember this is 1998. Yeah. Like maybe we're not as, I don't know, there are a few serious racial slurs in there. Right. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Like even on the cast recording. Oh, yeah, you can hear them on the cast yeah. recording. Um, it was nominated for nine Tony Awards though. It won for Best Book and Best Original Score. Yeah, that was – and he was like, what, in his 20s? Oh, yeah, and I think that's it. Like that's all Jason Robert Brown's No, ever. he won for Bridges of Madison County that's right, as he won well. For so he's got, he's got four, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he won um, for Bridges. Fosse won that year, interestingly. 
It best, won Best Musical. Best Musical. Oh, interesting. Yeah, which I, I don't know. Oh, bloody Cut, Tonys. Two, two quick things. One Ready? is I'm pretty sure that original national tour of Parade that um, I think Jason Robert Brown met his now wife, Georgia Stitt. I oh, think really? she was like the like the keyboard player, like keys tour or something on that tour. Um, That's cool. And also the London production was at the Donmar Warehouse and I went to London in like 2007 and it closed the night before I arrived. No. And I just, I went to the Donmar Warehouse and I was already obsessed with the show and oh. I went to the Donmar Warehouse the next day and I bought a poster. They still had some posters left. Oh, that's the saddest story. I had I've that poster up in my bedroom. You may remember it. I actually do remember yeah. it. <laughs> oh, no, Ruth. That's sad. Yeah. Um, oh, no. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> music. Let's talk about the music because yeah. it's so worth mentioning. The music is exemplary. I know I've said it a couple of times, but Jason Robert Brown was really influenced by Sondheim. He particularly cites Sunday in the Park with George and Sweeney Todd as mm. sort of really influential to him musically. And he does have a really recognisable musical style that I would say is, is unique from Sondheim. He's all about these like really dynamic rhythms, um, super unconventional harmonies yeah. on, as well, which I, are always beautiful. He composes almost exclusively for very large vocal ranges. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like small ranges need not apply. No, that's really. right. If you are a, a singer with with just like a normal range, get out. <laughs> just get out of here. He also, because he's a pianist, most of his stuff is pretty heavy on the piano. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's sort of this unique blend between contemporary music theatre and jazz that like his orchestrations in Parade have some really amazing, almost like ragtime nods. Yes, love but Obviously it. because of the setting, it's 1913, but also that is definitely JRB's style. Yeah. Like he's, he's a jazz performer really. Yeah. Um, I, did, I don't know if you know this. You might already know this. His love duets from all of his musicals feature almost identical forms. I have read this before and I think it's wonderful. It's wonderful. And I didn't – I've sung many of these duets. Yeah. It, until I read this fact, I think it was on Wikipedia. I didn't actually commute – like compute it, sorry. But basically it goes male person sings, then the female joins, then both sing together, then compound time happens in the duet sections. <laughs> And usually the ending is not harmonised, like it's in unison yeah. or just one so or, or the man just sings it. And it's once you go through all of his duets, yes, that is exactly yep. the form. Yeah. Hilarious. Um, so honestly, if you're thinking about listening to this cast recording, so listen to the original Broadway cast um, recording, which I think is the only one available anyway. Well, just listen to There everything. is the London cast as well. Oh, yeah, that's – oh. I know that you would love to talk about this, but I'm not going to let you because it doesn't exist. Just pretend that the Broadway one's the only one that exists. <laughs> I know you disagree with me. It's I just find it fascinating because the orchestrations are so different. So different. Now, the accents are not great on the no. London cast recording. No. But the orchestrations are so different. And so <laughs> one of the things that comes up is like the finale, the very last song in Parade oh, so has one of my favourite key changes in the world. And basically the, the two – like arrangements on the Broadway cast recording versus the London cast recording are completely different. Very different. And I love both of them equally. No, you don't. You, you love the London one much well, more. Well, I just – it's so beautiful. If you ever meet Ruth in person, she will she will make you listen to this I moment. Let's, I will. Like she, yeah, anyway. So maybe you listen to that version, that London moment. Just that. I don't think it's on Spotify. I think it's only on YouTube. Yeah. Um, my personal favourite songs are the opening, The Old Red Hills of Home, The Funeral, which is just beautiful. Yes. Um, That's What He Said, which is a – it's a beautiful – not beautiful. It's an amazing ensemble yeah. piece in the trial. And also This Is Not Over, 
which is like this beautiful um, like uplifting moment before everything goes to shit. <laughs> I think though your starting point, if you're listening for a gateway song, should be That's What He Said. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I mean like Brent Carver has an amazing voice but the ensemble work in That's What He Said is just like divine and the dude who plays Jim Connolly, who oh. eventually we know actually murdered Mary Fagan, yeah. his name's um, Rufus Bonds Jr. Yeah. He has an insane voice. His voice is insane. Insane. Like you would listen to this and just be like, oh, I see why Jason Robert Brown like is yeah. known for his vocal ranges. Yeah. So on it, like he obviously has a crazy range, but then it is a Jason Robert Brown show. So everyone has a crazy range. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually found it interesting. I was re-listening to this recording and I think – that the accents are not that great oh, in, the, in the Broadway, Broadway one. Yeah, I actually think they're, they're a bit very trash. exaggerated. So exaggerated. Yeah. Like, you know that song, The Picture Show? Yeah. Where little Mary is going, like, yeah. just before she's murdered. The accents are ridiculous. They are. Like, we know you're in the South. Yeah, <laughs> we get it. We don't need you to be stupid about it. Well, it's the South and it's like the beginning of the 20th century. I guess that's yeah. the other thing they're trying to highlight. Maybe. <laughs> they it, are like caricatured accents. Though. It feels like, it almost feels like, come on, don't don't be mean to the Southern people. Yeah. Like they're going to take offence to this. <laughs> but, I mean, I do wonder what the response is from people who are from the South because like it, it's not, it's a pretty poor indictment of like Southern ideology at the time. Yeah. And, and, um, yeah, I, like I read some interesting articles like the the real-life governor at the time sort of he was the one who decided to commute the sentence and it really ruined his career politically. Really? Like he, he had such backlash from that decision that he could ne- he'd never enter politics and again. And is that because people did think he was guilty, did think Leo Frank was guilty? Yeah, and they also just like from what I could gather, it was not so much about the fact that they actually questioned his guilt or not, like people just accepted that he was guilty firstly, but also he was a Jew and he shouldn't, he shouldn't be allowed to get out anyway. Like it, right. it doesn't matter whether like he did it or not. sort of racism it, it was, was still prevalent. It seemed like such extreme racism, like it, extreme. And some of the, like some of the quotes from, because the, the, um, prosecutor in the trial I think he ended up being maybe some sort of senator or something later on and he was just like an absolute racist piece of shit like some of the stuff he said this is a real life character like he was just out of control in the anti-semitism and when you consider that the real perpetrator was a black man who sort of went unscathed it's Mm. quite amazing that the the sentiment against Jewish people was so severe yeah you know, in a pl- in a place that was really anti-black person as well. Like, yeah. Uh, the themes in this show are pretty intense and without being an American person and fully understanding the complexities of what I'm talking about, it, you can tell that it would be a hugely contentious story even yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. And I think too like – Do you think that played into why it didn't succeed? I think so. Like I think it's just a really – it's a tough story to hear firstly because it's the rape and murder of a 13-year-old girl. Yeah. Like that's – that's upsetting for most people to begin with. And yeah, it is like a, I'd hope it's so. a brutal rape and murder. <laughs> yeah. And then to 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 then talk about like a, a Jewish man has done it or no, it's a black man who's done it. And so you're really just talking about minorities who have been persecuted, you know, since the dawn of time. Yeah. Like it's it's pretty contentious. I also wonder what you think in general about musicals that are about such serious subject matter. Yeah, I wonder. Like for me, I have no problem with it, obviously. 
I have no problem with it. I think the hard thing is that the way that musical theatre comes to us, right, yeah. is that something basically has to succeed commercially before we get to see it, yes. you know. And so how is a show that is such a downer yeah. going to succeed commercially? Yeah. And even say something like The Band's Visit or Fun Home or some, Next to Normal, some of these shows that have won Best Musical in the last decade and um, I, I do deal with much more serious subject mm. matter, you know, can still work on Broadway because of winning Best Musical Tony and being beautiful shows. But here in Australia, there's no no way someone is doing a commercial production of those shows. No way. Well, I think that that's pretty much what happened with Parade. And it's also, it's such such an American story. Yeah. Like I can't even imagine how a production in the UK would have worked. And yeah. I feel the same way sort of about Hamilton, to be honest. Like I just don't I don't See, understand. I think Hamilton – well, th- th- it has to cross over a line, I think. And with Hamilton, it's crossed over to that like mainstream Incredibly popular, popular culture. Yeah. And because the language of it is so – Contemporary. Contemporary. Like so when I first saw Hamilton um, – like the public off Broadway. <laughs> um, it's throw this egg shaker at your head. I'm sorry. Um, it was so you know obviously the cast recording wasn't out or anything, and I didn't know I didn't know anything about Alexander Hamilton. Like this but all show, you knew was that you loved Lin Manuel. That's right. I went because In the Heights is like my second favorite musical. Yeah, and I love him. And basically, so I went for that reason, and it had a lot of buzz in New York, but not worldwide. Mm. And so we went. My husband and I went, and. Yeah, we really enjoyed it and everything, but we didn't know anything about what was happening. You know, we didn't. We knew who Washington was, yeah, but we don't learn who Alexander Hamilton no is in way. school, you know, or even Thomas Jefferson. We really. don't learn any of that stuff. Why would we? And so we didn't have a lot of content. So we really enjoyed it, but mm. it wasn't like, oh my god, we've just seen the most groundbreaking show. Yeah, and it wasn't until the cast recording came out and I got a really good appreciation for what the actual show was. Mm. And it's one of those only shows where I would say, please listen before you go. Please listen to that cast recording. We've so, got to hear like all the words, right? That's right. Yeah. You need the context of what it's saying yeah. um, before you go, I think personally in the case of that show. Um, and well, the, yeah. The way I feel about Parade is that we're not going to see productions of it because it's not it's not a huge commercial success like Hamilton and it's so it's such a tough story to tackle and it also requires like a lot of – Black actors, for example. Yes, very and, true. And like you don't you don't want to mess that up. In the same way that Showboat never gets done. Exactly. Yeah. And also that's a really awful show. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I saw the reworked version they did in London about five years ago. Um, they they took a lot out and they like sort it of It was just a brand new show, things. right? Like there was no, no like it was showboat. still showboat, but Ugh, you I hate have showboat. to do that for it to be accessible for an audience nowadays. And I, I really think. appreciated it. Ugh. I have to say. <laughs> I hate Showboat. I hate so much about it. Anyway, that's Parade. That's yeah. from me. me I love you, that Ricky. show. I love that show. Doesn't and Andrew, your husband, loves it, right? He does. It's probably one of his, like his favourite shows yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, and a, a funny story is that when we started dating, um, he – told me that he hated Sondheim. Yes. And, of course, Sondheim is God for me. And it was like, oh, my God. I can't God, believe you guys even made I, it. Can I stay with this guy? Like, no. you know, this is a real deal breaker for me. And then he, like, told me about how much he loves Jason Robert Brown and I sort of thought, yeah, all right. 
he loved Parade. It's close enough, isn't it? It was something. It yeah. saved his um. It's an olive branch. Hating. <laughs> he still hates sometimes. He does. We've done. Uh, Josephine and I have a little group of people that do some cabarets together, and we did a Sondheim cabaret. And Andrew would normally musical direct them and play. He just flatly refused. He just refused to do our Sondheim one. It's so upsetting. Someone it so is. musically talented can be so stupid. <laughs> And wrong. <laughs> I know. I know. It's just, don't get me wrong, it's a sore point 14 years later. Yeah, bad, Yeah, yeah. Um, well, Ruth. Yeah. That's I great that's, fun. That's I love it. both of those shows. Oh, we've got to disagree sometimes. I know. I know. I think it's coming. I'm feeling, I'm feeling it. I am too. I don't know that I will ever hate a show that you do. <laughs> I think I'm going to hate a lot of shows that you do. I think you will. <laughs> I think you will. Well, even just your comments about Showboat, they make me worried. I'm sorry. You're not going to do Showboat, are you? No, well, it's not one of my favourite shows. Correct. And to be honest, like uh, none of those Golden Age ones are. Whereas so you love them. That's where we them. disagree. Yeah, I do love them. You know? Some of them I love. Sorry, Carousel, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> That's what I've never seen. Yeah. Not good. not seen it on stage, not seen the movie, Ugh. nothing, Carousel. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I really appreciate great productions of lots of the others. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Fiddler, like you did for the last week. Yeah, but Fiddler is actually good. King and I. I didn't think I would ever appreciate Oof. King and I or South Pacific until I saw those excellent revival versions. We're just going to have to disagree. <laughs> I'll start. What I'm going to start doing is play my egg shaker when you say something I don't like. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I just grab my egg shaker. Like, oh, we should go see Showboat together. Oh no! (laughs) (laughs) Change the subject. Oh god. (laughs) Well, yeah. Um, subscribe and all that shit. Like, subscribe, rate, review, whatever it is. That's what like the YouTubers say, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Just click on the little ring ball button. Oh god. I'm so yeah. Yeah. Oh god. And follow us on Instagram. Yes, do. I'm gonna actually post something there tonight. I promise. Great. Yeah. Can we post the clip of you and your husband singing um the song from Parade? Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, we did that duet. Yeah. Okay, we'll do that. Yeah, we'll do that. You'll get to see me sing. <gasps> Is this how I'm going to get my big break? Yes, yes. On our podcast Instagram. It's about time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ruth. This is my favourite musical. This has been my favourite musical. I'm Josephine. She's Ruth. Have a great week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.